we just do a cold, but what? you know, yeah, we just do one of those cold opens. Like you wanna, we just open it, you know. So you want to do you want to do a cold open. You want to do like one of the cold opens that we usually don't plan, but this mm-hmm. time you want to plan it. Yeah, basically, you know. So what do you want? You want me to start like choking to death, and then we'll come in, or no, no. I kind of want a train wreck, like the uh, the Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, Kane Ooh, match. Oh, nice. Night. That yeah. was kind of a train wreck. Well, if you want to take care of the cold open, I can take these uh, these um, Alka Seltzer pills, and I can continue eating this nasty Are you breakfast doing drugs pizza. on this podcast. Yeah, I am actually. I am, and uh, I think my coffee is too hot at this point to drink, so I might have to dry swallow these. We'll see what happens. I'm well, not going to do know, that. I got some water. Do you want the? Can water? I borrow that water? Yeah, I mean, I'll give it back later. Yeah, it's no problem. There's like a shot of water in there. Thanks. I feel better already. All right, cool. Well, you gave me like a thumb drop of water back. Thank you. You're welcome. Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. Were you parched? Oh, it kind of was, you know, it kind of was. It was a long night of wrestling last night for the Royal Rumble, a four-hour pay-per-view, Nick, but, um, man, there was a lot of wrestling stuff that happened after we were done with podcasts last week. Yeah. Lots of things that happened, and yeah. I don't know how to, how to do this podcast. Typically, we like to do, like, the local pro wrestling stuff, and then we like to, we like to break it up into these nice little segments. But mm-hmm. I think there's just too much to talk about today for us to be able to do that. So I don't, I don't know. Do we just dive right into the Rumble? Do we just talk about the Rumble to kick things off? Uh, you know, that might be the more prevalent of the conversation, you know? That, that might make most sense. Well, then let's set the table. I'm Nick Ragnar, Jesse Von Rudin to my right. He is a co-host of the Grapple Talk flagship, as am I. Yes. And uh, we are bringing you this episode live inside the studios of KQEG. And uh, we have a studio audience. You just can't see them, and they're all clapping. And there they are. They're really happy that Woo! we're here. We're happy to be here. It was a long night. I uh, I actually went back and I watched the, really quick before we talk Rumble, I went okay. back and watched the main event of the NXT TakeOver special so in Philadelphia. So good. It was. There was a lot of buzz. If you haven't watched it yet, you're a fan of wrestling, I would highly recommend going and watching it. Um, heard some people say that it was probably the best match in NXT history. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think that's really kind of tough because anytime that, that's thrown around. It's very much in a vacuum, you know? So you almost have to sit back and kind of really think about it. Like, there was a lot of really big moments in NXT history. One of the ones that really kind of stands out, of course, is WrestleMania weekend. You know, Zayn Nakamura. Yeah. That's one of the biggest matches, I think, really, when it comes to a watershed moment for NXT. Because it really kind of shows that the fans very much made that product. While... Well, Gargano and Almas match, like, that might have been... Technically-wise. Technically and story-wise, might have been the best match. Yeah. And that's saying something, because even the Bailey-Sasha Banks matches were very well done. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a really good match. Everything flowed really well. I mean, they probably had, like, eight different insane, you know, double-digit move sequences. Like, it was ridiculous Mm -hmm. how on point both guys were. It's the first time that I've seen Johnny Gargano in some time. I didn't really see the the story, the rise toward the number one contendership. But dude, that guy looks in shape. Yeah, Holy he shit. is cut, dude. Yeah. Like he's been spending a lot of time down there in the performance center, and uh, it really kind of shows. But at the same time, though, like it's not so much. It, it's like his cell. He's got this great cell, that dead eye cell that yeah. like a Shawn Michaels has, you know. Yeah. And I'm not too sure if it's like just because of the brown eyes or what the fuck it is, but that fucking cell. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, he's very, very good at at selling and and really working as that 
that uh, babyface trying to mm-hmm. you know win it against all odds. I think it's really easy to get behind him. You know, Morrow referenced the the whole Daniel Bryan thing like three or four times during that entire yeah. matchup. So um, I think it's obvious that the, the people in NXT are pushing him as a top babyface. We'll see if that translates over to WWE because I assume we're going to get uh, Champa. And uh, and Gargano on the WrestleMania weekend card. So yeah, I um, think honestly, the only reason we would probably not get it if Champa's not cleared. Is he not cleared yet? I think he's got to be cleared. You know, he would have to be. Why yeah. would you, you couldn't bring him back and then be like, nope, never no, mind. No, unless you're going to be like, you know what? Let's stick it to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vince is booking a sixteen hour yeah, one. Why not? <laughs> no, but it was a really good Wait match. Take over credits to roll. T- take over. Was actually a pretty a pretty nice little uh, Saturday show. I, I shouldn't even say little that that undermines it a little bit. But uh, I went back and watched lengthwise. I watched. Uh, I went back and watched Cole and Black. Another very fun match. A very fun match, right? Yeah, very so good plunder match. It, it seems like with NXT again, they did it, basically what Wrestle Kingdom did, right? They basically mm-hmm. gave us a bunch of different matches with a bunch of different flavors, so it didn't feel like just one long drawn out wrestling show. It was like, oh, we're getting all these different kinds of structures and matches and really personalities that that make it that even those two hours and 40 minutes long it felt like just one seamless nice episode of wrestling yeah because you start things off with that tag match the tag match was like it, it didn't start the quickest you know it was very much like a good feeling out process but the finish was really smart because you work over the legs of the authors of pain the whole matchup and that kind of negates their double team move there and even though red dragon basically absorbed it because you couldn't plan him you know, you couldn't plant Kyle O'Reilly with the power bomb because your knee buckled on you. That, yep. That's really smart, and that's some next-level stuff right there. Then you go into the Velveteen Dream against Cassius Ono. That was a very fun match. Like, I would have to say that was probably the best 30 minutes of any match. Not not 30 minutes, but 30 seconds of any match. Oh, yeah. Like, the beginning stretch. Oh, yeah. That was really good. The, the promise of the knockout, you get it, but he doesn't get right back on him. That's some really, really intricate storytelling. But after that, it kind of fell off the rails a little bit. But there's only so much you can do about that. I mean, yep. Dream is very young in his career. And I think sometimes with Ono, like, he, he's a really good teacher. And I think a lot of this match was teaching the kid on the fly how to put together a match yep. on a big screen like that. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I would recommend watching TakeOver. Maybe mm-hmm. you're one of the ones that only tunes in for the WWE pay-per-views. You watch it on uh, Monday Monday and Tuesdays. But uh, this is a really good product put together by NXT, and I think it really showcases what they're doing on the black and yellow brand. But moving over to the Royal Rumble, Jesse, holy shit. We got uh, a lot of stuff that happened uh, last night. So I mean, should we just start with the Rumble matches? Do you want to start? With, is that where we start, or do we just do we go in? Do we just go in order? Let's just go uh, in order. You Fuck it. Go in order? Yeah, let's just go in order. All right. All right. So we had the WWE Championship match. Yeah. Um, Two on one handicap match. Interesting match because you know I would have bet money that we would have seen Shane or Daniel Bryan. Just how much involvement they'd had in this storyline. Mm-hmm. I thought we would have for sure gotten something, but then when you look at it, we have another. I, I didn't realize that we had fast lane, and we have like a like what is that maybe. Five weeks until Mania. Yeah, because we have like seventy days, as they say. Yeah, so to me, what that seems like is so it'd be more than that. It'd be like seven weeks. It'd be more than that. It'd be Actually, like yeah, it'd be ten like, weeks. Yeah, it'd be like ten weeks. Ten weeks. Nick. <laughs> I can't do math. Yeah, it's pretty easy math. But um, I, I assume they're trying to hold off on on figuring out a storyline with Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon, and then the uh, 
the the two best friends of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for a little bit just because I think you know if you would have introduced the possibility of Daniel Bryan wrestling or or Shane wrestling or something then you would have had 10 weeks mm-hmm. to kind of figure that whole thing out and it would just it, it would have felt more drawn out so I think you know which which I think kind of says a lot about what they did tonight because typically I always feel like when it comes to the Royal Rumble we get a lot of we start the road to WrestleMania and we got a couple of those yeah. things happening tonight but I think they're holding off on some of the other major stuff just a little bit because I think 10 weeks can be a little a little too much time to tell a story if you will um yes and no but you got to also look at it too it's like why you get you get 10 episodes of basically television between there there and then you also get another brand centric pay-per-view you know with raw we get the elimination chamber with smackdown we'll get fastlane as well um there's a lot of stuff that could happen in between now and then um one of the things i thought was kind of surprising and i think it really caught you off guard too was the two out of three falls tag match where the Usos scored two falls right away on uh, the team of American Alpha 2.0. Yeah, yeah, and the the one thing that I take away from that match, it wasn't as awesome as I thought it would be. And I think part of that we realized this watching this at the Rumble party is that depending on what the crowd's mood is, it just kind of t- changes like this inflection of the match, right? Mm-hmm. So they could put on a five-star match, but if the crowd is completely dead then it's it's hard to to realize what they're doing in the ring. It's just it's it's so weird. Like when you're watching it on TV, like it was a very good match, but at the same time, we talked about this a couple of times. We're like, man, that crowd is just absolutely dead. They do not care yeah. about this match at all. Aside from the one a, super kick sequence, and then there's like the really polite moonsault to the outside. Oh yeah, right. And you get the Philly crowd like, bravo, bravo, like, good. Good dance, clowns. Good job, you clowns. Marvelous. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe that match was really good, and it just felt off because the crowd was so so freaking quiet, And which is weird. But you don't expect that with Philly, but I guess when you have two Rumble matches and you're expecting surprises and you don't know mm-hmm. who's going to win, I mean, they maybe were kind of so amped for that that they weren't able to, to put their energy towards a different match. Oh, that's match. true, and I think, like, the structure of the match, too. Um, I don't know. You, you just expect so much, like, a quick pace with the Usos. And right away, there was really a good, solid, like, heat yeah. there from Benjamin and Gable. And it was like, we're not going to go with the strengths of the Usos here. We're going to go with our strengths. And I almost wonder if, like, going with the strengths of the heels in that matchup might have been to the detriment of the match structure itself. Right. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that was part of it. There was a really sick super kick sequence that we talked about. That was really that nice. That was really awesome. And uh, I think we might have maybe talked about this during our preview where it was like, you know, they don't often do just the two win, the, the, the two. Two falls two back falls to back. Usually back to back. you do the, you split the two, and then you go with that third fall. But, you know, every once in a while you'll get two definitive falls, and especially the way that second fall actually happened where the Usos basically use their experience as a tag team to win that matchup. Yep. I mean, they caught Gable on the top rope, held his leg, got the roll up, all that fun stuff. So, you know, it really kind of told the story that Usos are just a step ahead of American Alpha 2.0, but hey, man, there's still 10 weeks to go. Yeah, there's still 10 weeks, so we'll figure out what they do after that, which led us into, a, surprisingly enough, our men's Royal Rumble, which I thought was kind of weirdly structured. Um, A little bit, yeah. It, it caught everyone at the Royal Rumble party we were at over there at the American Legion in Alaska. Um, everyone just assumed that the women's Royal Rumble was going to be first, but, you know, Maybe after what we saw, it made more sense to have it, it on second. Um, the men's match, like, it did have a weird structure, but I think a lot of that is just because they were saving all the surprise entrants 
for the women's one. Right. I mean, we've got some really good ones for the men's one. I mean, the return of Rey Mysterio, who oh, looked yeah. like a million bucks. It's like they went back to 1997 and took him from fucking That's Texas exactly w. what it looked like, actually. Like, he comes out, Budica, Budica, 619. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're just like, holy shit. Like, you mean marked out, you know, like. I don't think you're going to find two bigger Rey Mysterio fans yep. in, on Alaska at yep. that point in time Probably than you not. and me. But uh, the dude just looked slimmed down. He was moving better than he's moved in probably like a decade. Like, he looked completely refreshed. And I kind of want to see where they go with Rey Mysterio, if it's just a one-off or or are they actually going to bring him back for a six-month run, maybe a Hall of Fame introduction or something like that. He could be a very good candidate, I think, for the Hall of Fame this year. Oh, yeah. And he sh- very well should be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know I don't know what exactly they're going to do with Ray either. They could throw him on the 205 Live brand to try to, try to you know, kick that up a notch. But, I mean, he is such a big superstar. And uh-huh. you hate talking about it that way, too, because – but let's be honest, 205 Live isn't a Monday Night Raw. It's not a It's not a Tuesday Night SmackDown. It's, it's not really – I mean, you, you put Ray on that, you might be able to get more eyes on it, but at the same time, you could also be risking wasting his return. So we'll see exactly what they do. But yeah, he looked phenomenal. I remember his music hit, and I remember before he left WWE, he had just put on so much weight. And I don't know if he was trying to bulk up or what he was trying to do, but he just he he didn't seem like the same Ray Mysterio that we had had in previous years. And now, like you mentioned, I mean, he's he has tights on. I mean, he's so slimmed down, and mm-hmm. he was moving just so great and obviously he's been doing great things on the indies so it's not necessarily like he's taken a 10-year hiatus yeah. from wrestling but but uh but yeah it was great to see him and, and uh i'm really looking forward to exactly how they uh use him moving forward but you know honestly you talk about this if you haven't seen it yet you read about it online a lot of people are talking about this being one of the greatest rumbles they'd ever seen from start to finish the the, the men's match just really? because it was very i think I think personally, think structure-wise, it was actually booked really, really well. I mean, yeah, we didn't get a bunch of, you know, we didn't get Bobby Lashley showing up, and we didn't get Big Dick Dave Batista showing up. You know, Triple Triple H didn't come out and and eliminate a bunch of people to set up a storyline. We didn't get Undertaker coming out and eliminating John Cena, which I think was was fine. But uh, but we, you know, I think over it was just a very, very solid match. There wasn't a lot of hiccups. I think the the eliminations actually were all for the most part pretty much on point. Um, one thing that we can talk about, I guess, mm-hmm. if you almost want to go, um, you know, from the start to the end, is good God, is Rusev Day over? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was very much over with the crowd. Um, and I think it was a good thing to bring him out there first because you get everyone very amped up. And then of course, second was Finn Balor, and Balor had a hell of a rumble. Like he basically lasted almost like fifty five minutes in that thing. Um, a really good showing from him, um, especially like you know a lot of people just like figure like you know they want to push Balor, but you don't want to push him to the moon, right? And that's a really good way to do it because you just keep him in the mind of everyone right there. Um, the Rusev Day thing, man, I was so over, yeah, like, so over, and I wonder if if it's just not. Like a product of the very smarky crowd there in Philly, because you got a lot of people traveling in. It's one of the big four pay per views. But if I was WWE, and of course we're not because we're here in a very <laughs> abandoned studio here at KQEG here at seven in the morning. But you got to start thinking like, man, you know, Rusev really hasn't had like a bad showing in a very long time. This guy really stays healthy. Um, he's got a good personality, and he's been really fine on under the radar for quite some time. Um, Maybe 2018 might be the year you start thinking about putting Rusev back into like maybe a singles singles push. I think you have to consider it because, you know, this is one of your big four pay-per-views. I would mm-hmm. go on a limb and say network subscriptions are probably higher right now than they typically are throughout the year. So I think a lot of people 
saw just how over Rusev was in this Philly crowd. You know, a lot of sometimes people talk about the whole this whole odyssey that is Roman Reigns and why he can't seem to get over in certain crowds or really any crowd. And some people would point to the fact that he literally just works at these big pay-per-views in these big cities that just hate the shit out of him. So once he's being booed by everybody and everybody's at home watching, oh, look, this dude's getting fucking booed. Then everybody else is just like, well, I must I must also want to boo him. So mm-hmm. if you if you kind of take that same theory and you and you put it towards Rusev now everybody's at home going holy shit this dude's cool as fuck everybody loves this guy this guy must be cool as shit I'm gonna start cheering this guy and then also next thing you know we're gonna see Rusev Day getting those singles title pushes and I think it should be really interesting to see if he does get that but I mean WWE had to know they had to have done their research because to put him number one as you mentioned there had to been some sort of thought into that going you know what, we know this crowd's going to fucking love this guy. Let's just throw him out there and, and let him – I mean, he was in there for probably a good half. I mean, he was in there for a long time. Mm-hmm. So um, he got a pretty nice little push there, and obviously we'll talk about this later, but Lana came in later, and she got the Rusev Day yep. pop as well. So, yeah, Rusev Day was very, very over in Philly. Very much so. So one of the big things, too, of course, was uh, – well, let's just spoil it right now. The winner of this year's Royal Rumble was Shinsuke Nakamura. So basically, you know, it's been telegraphed for a while, which, you know, I think we've been on the podcast before alluding to the fact that maybe sometimes telegraphing your stories might be the right way to do it. And they got the right reaction, I think, yep. in this one. Right. Um, it came down to him and Roman Reigns. Yep. Um, I, I think a lot of people were kind of really concerned Reigns was going to win again. Yep. And I know you were one of the guys who was really concerned that Reigns was going to win again. I just looked at it. You know, I again, I think they're ultimately leading towards – Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And when you looked at the structure of the match, you looked at it being put third. Without knowing what was going to happen the rest of the night, you maybe kind of were like, okay, well, maybe it's third because they don't want to end the night getting booed out of the building with the Roman Reigns victory. So instantly there you're like, okay, well, maybe. Reigns came out super late. Like, he was, like, number 28 or something. Something like that. I got fucking booed yeah. like a fuck. And, I mean, at that point it was like, okay, well, He's coming out really late. I mean, there's an opportunity where he'll he'll definitely be in the final two, probably. Um, and, and you're looking at uh, Nakamura and Reigns in the ring, and you're like, well, I mean, you you don't you really don't know. Like maybe they're dangling Nakamura in front of all the smarks, and Reigns will end up going over because we talked about this. I think the overall goal is Reigns and Lesnar at Mania, but I think there's so many other different ways that you can work that that program into actually happening at Mania because you know, say which. Again, I, I I hate the I hate the uh, the the argument that Reigns is being pushed on our throats, but goddamn, that dude's been in like the final two or three or whatever in the Rumble in like the past like every single year that he's been in WWE. Yeah. I mean, the guy the guy is is always there, and you know, with this back to back to back year, these multi years of basically these. These really, really, really well established guys winning the Rumble when you know we talked about this last week when I personally view it as a as a catapult for a guy that's like maybe right below that superstar yeah. level to get to that superstar level. It just seems like a waste to me. So for Nakamura, it seemed perfect because now a lot of these casual fans that maybe don't tune into Tuesday Night SmackDown or you know maybe like myself that just don't keep up with the regular product. They see this Nakamura. Who the hell's Nakamura? Who the fuck is this? Yeah, I mean, we had one of the local promoters oh who God. didn't really know his name. Um, that would be a trend going on for the rest of the night, but we're we're not going to really be talking about but that that's, much. But too that's much. part of it, though. Nakamura gets the victory there, and I assume that most people watching the Rumble actually do know who he oh, is. Oh yeah, like when he came out, they serenaded him with yep. his theme song for right. another minute and a half. Right, and this is where you build him up because 
WWE, Roman Reigns, I mean, he, he's synonymous with WWE. Everybody yeah. knows who Roman Reigns is, regardless if you like him or hate him. This is an opportunity where they're able to build Nakamura now into that megastar leading into Mania, where I'm assuming that him and AJ Styles are going to have the match of the night at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. He'll probably get his first title victory, and boom, you have an established megastar on SmackDown moving forward. So... I think the right move was made. We've talked about this before. Again, you know, it was kind of actually telegraphed if you think about it. Mm-hmm. But why, why try to get cute with it? Just just yeah. go through with it. Let it happen. Let him face AJ Styles. Let's let's move on with this storyline. And again, people always talk about this too. It's like, well, when WWE's predictable, you know, that's when we hate it. It's like, no, if WWE gives you what you want, though, even if it is extremely predictable, yep. it makes you happy. So. Yeah, and plus you got to think about this too. WrestleMania is the biggest event of the calendar year for the WWE. Why not put your biggest international star that you're really kind of pushing there with Nakamura against like the guy who's probably arguably the best pound for pound worker that you have in the company, and you're going to have yourself a fantastic WrestleMania matchup. Um, if you haven't watched the Wrestle Kingdom match, go back and watch it. Yeah, you know, like we'll probably end up leaking it somewhere. You know, it's just it's a really good match. So that's gonna be a lot You'll of fun. You'll probably get there. something very similar to that, I would assume. I yeah. Maybe not very not not as hard hitting or not as crazy as the New Japan style because you know in New Japan apparently they don't believe in rest spots, but um but I, I think that'll be a good indication of what you're gonna be able to see from Nakamura that you haven't seen yet. Um but yeah I think I think overall it was a great Rumble. I think there's a lot of things to look forward to outside of the Rumble. Um I don't know what they're doing with Dolph Ziggler. I have no idea. Oh my what's god! Going on okay, that. so I know we were on the podcast at some point, or maybe we were in the car. We we're kind of talking back and forth that we we're like, you know, Ziggler's going to be back in this Rumble matchup. They, they got a perfect opportunity to reset the character here. And what the fuck do they do? He comes out there wearing trunks with his fucking face on there, acting like Shawn Michaels, and then gets eliminated. That was so weird. Yeah, you kind of, I kind of viewed it as a mo- uh, as an opportunity for them to kind of like. To re rebuild him or do do something with him, right? Then give him a he good came out, reboot. Yeah, he came out. He's the same exact same guy as before he left. Uh, you know, super kicks like eighteen people, oh, and yeah. then he gets tossed right away. And it was like, well, that was kind of jarring. Like yeah. that was we- that was weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might as well. Ju- I mean, usually you could have put him in any spot in that rumble. Yeah, and it just wouldn't have been the same thing. Yeah, and yeah. I I really feel like they I. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a firm believer in that the number thirty spot should always mean something. You know, yeah. it should it should always be a spot where it, where it, where it, it's somewhat mean. Like, I honestly think they might have they should have just thrown Ray there, had Ray come in, do his cool little fucking shit, and then have him get tossed over. Because then at least it's like holy fuck, that was awesome. Yeah. Like it, it puts a cap. You know, because everybody for every rumble, regardless of how you say, it, when you see that timer go on, you're like, oh man, who is next? I'm so yeah. pumped. Who's it gonna be? And you hear Dolph's music, and you're like, okay, yeah, not bad. And then literally 30 seconds later, you're like, well, that was a waste. That was pretty <laughs> fucking stupid. But if you have at least Ray there, he comes in, he does his cool flippity shit. Hit 619. Whoa, dude. Dude, fucking Ray Mysterio. Holy shit, that was so cool. This Rumble fucking rocks, man. You know, instead of being like, oh, it was, it was Dolph? Yeah. Because then, then you're like, well, you know, because you even said that. You're like, man, I really hope Taker. I really hope yeah, Taker. Yeah, well, Taker at 30 would have been really nice. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then, I mean, you have a bunch of us, you know, that watch wrestling that are like, ah, you know, damn it. But you think of a lot of that might just be with the fact that, for whatever apparent reason, Dolph doesn't resonate with anyone anymore. Yeah, probably. I mean, it would have been, I mean, if, if he just was more, I don't know if, it was, if he was more over. I think I think if you put Dolph there, 
And one of the reasons he left was because he wasn't getting respect. I think that if you are trying to reboot Dolph and try to rebuild Dolph, he should have been in the final two with Nakamura or something. Like he, There should have been something there to give him a reason to be number 30 and to seem like a big deal. Because if you're trying to reboot Dolph into seeming like a big deal, you gave him this these two months off. And again, I don't know what it was for. Maybe he... Maybe he was in some injury, or maybe he had he, to get yeah. those um, extensions out of his hair, or something. Maybe he was like in that. some shitty D-list movie. I don't know, but uh, seven. But, <laughs> but it just see, it's it seemed dumb, and I think you could have, like you just said, flipped him and Ray because honestly, with Ray Mysterio, you know what good does it do Ray to you know come in at twenty whatever it was five and then end up laying on the mat half the half the match that he was. Well, you get more guys to actually do your moves to. That's true, I guess. You know, but I don't know. I, I, right, I, I cool. think I think you could have flipped the switch on that one. Come on, brother. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, but I thought it was, overall it was a great rumble. I don't know that there's. I'm trying to think if there's anything else really cool that happened. But I think it was just really well structured. I know a lot of people were pissing and shitting on the fact that John Cena was in the final four. Yeah, you know, but why wouldn't you have John Cena in the final four? I I, I agree. I think you know, I really liked honestly the moment where it was Cena. Um, Orton, Cena, Orton Mysterio, Mysterio, and then Nakamura, yeah. Finn, and uh, who, who the Roman who, Reigns. R- Roman Reigns, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. That was is. a really good moment. You could actually maybe do something with that further down the line. Um, yeah, I, it, it's interesting to see the the fall of Ginger Hall when it comes to being on the card. He gets oh, eliminated by Big E, and then they throw pancakes at him. You know, they gave him the opportunity to take the ball and run with it, and it's not even his fault, but just the booking, the writing, everything, and just nothing mm-hmm. turned out for him. He gave him a, a three pay-per-views long Randy Orton feud that was just ass. Do you, you know? Okay, okay. So, you know, no, no knocks against Randy Orton, but if you want to – was he the right guy for that spot? Probably not. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like, okay, so like Daniel Bryan, fresh off of WrestleMania, gets stuck with Kane. Yep. You know, right. it's just, I don't know. Sometimes WWE doesn't really give like a new champion a, a, opportunity. A, like a like, slam dunk program yep. right away. It's yep. very much, well, you're fuck, man. You're the champion now. Here you go. Yeah, but I don't know if Orton was unmotivated or what it was, but that was, I think that was, you know, a lot of people like to blame gender for that because it's fun to, to hate on, to hinder gender. And uh, you know, I I don't know. I just think I, I think that was, but but you know, I again I thought the the rumble. If we just if we go back to that, it was a good showing. And I also want to say that, dude, I would not be surprised if in maybe two or three years we're talking about Elias as the headliner at WrestleMania. I really I really think right now he has kind of like that. It's kind of a goofy gimmick. He's he's a you know he's a he. He walks around and he he sings songs and he and he has catchphrases and blah blah blah. But I think that these are the the the, the this is the foundation of what will be eventually a main event caliber heel face whatever. I think mm-hmm. he is going to be the next big guy in in WWE. Well, here's the funny thing though about like if you're like oh man he's just catchphrases. So wasn't The Rock? Yep. You know, so it wasn't Steve Austin, yep. Hulk Hogan, you know, some of the biggest headliners. John of all time. Cena was John for Cena, the longest time. You know, you you make that connection with the fans, and especially if you can stay entertaining, the fans are going to remember you for a while. Oh, hello. Do you like talking about life and the fun you have with your friends and games you play with each other and memories you've had over the course of time? <sighs> Nothing's better than family, folks, and... Here at the Ross Family Podcast, we really love having fun. Myself, Jack Spade, Victor Ross, Scott Williams. A turtle. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, who the hell are you, Isaac? 
Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out The Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Speaking of entertaining, though, this match was probably the opposite of that. That was a Raw tag match Duh. between uh, Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan taking on the bar. And I don't know what it was. It just, I don't know. Like, the rumor going around was Jason Jordan was hurt going into this match. But right. I don't know if that's legit or not. But they did a very good job of keeping him outside the match the whole time. But they also made him look like a scrub, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, okay, the dude gets his fucking skull rattled on the ring post, which happens in every fucking match yeah. in WWE history. And, you know, he gets a tag in. He holds his head for a bit. Tags right the fuck back out. And Seth Rollins is like, dude. What? Dude, Dude, we're supposed to be burning it down. We're supposed to be burning it down, much like my tights. <laughs> I got it from Kane. Oh, yeah, his tights were but, horrible. But um, they were horrible. They were bad um, tights. But I don't know. There was just – maybe it was because we had that big moment with the Rumble that whatever match was going to be in that situation yep. was just going to be there. And that's very unfortunate because, like, the bar is producing some of the best tag work on Raw right now. Seth Rollins, is he's looking back in form after blowing out his knee. He really is, actually. Yeah. He's, he's really come along the past couple of so months. So it, it's just a very unfortunate spot for them. You know, they've been booking Jason Jordan like this. and We heard this at the Rumble Party a couple of times. Everybody's like, oh, you know, Jason, whatever, whatever are they doing? But, I mean, Jason Jordan, for the longest time, kind of when he was in this weird, like, is he a heel, is he not, was getting booked like that where he would – very lightly injure something that a lot of guys seem to come back from, and then he would like act as if the world ended. Mm-hmm. So I, it was, I think it was kind of a continuation of that story a little bit. I think he was actually obviously injured, but I think that they were trying to be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Because I think ultimately we're going to get a Jason Jordan-Seth Rollins match. Um, again, I think this is the this is the perfect you know way thing for us to look at and go, crowd reaction is important. Oh, yeah. You know, it really is, and... Um, because I'm, I'm not going to lie, for the first couple of minutes of this match, I was looking at my phone, I was trying to see, you know, what people, because I, I just, I love reading opinions on things, and because obviously yep. there's not a podcast that releases right after the Men's <laughs> Rumble, I try to look up and just see what people are saying, and yeah, most of it, Twitters. and most of it was shit, uh, because people are just shitting on, on things for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't on my phone for a good amount of this match to begin yeah. with, but when I actually looked up, I mean, Seth Rollins, good God. I mean, he was just in a rumble for a, an extended period of time, and then he worked his fucking ass off against these two guys. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it was a pretty – it was a decent tag match. But, again, there was no crowd. I mean, we had people around us that were like, oh, this match sucks. This match is boring. And I was like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's just, I think it's just because the crowd's not into it. But yeah, that's just what like, I think. we weren't in it either. Yeah. Like, no one at the Legion was in it. And I think a lot of that is just you come off that high of that rumble – and then this is very much the cooldown period, and yeah, I don't. You could have had, you could have had fucking Hogan against Andre in that yeah, spot, and I don't think anyone would have gave a shit. Yeah, it's you could have put Dusty Rhodes, brother, in that I, spot, and no yeah, one gave a shit. And you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. I really, really, really think that they're basically doing a bait and switch with, uh, not even a bait and switch, just a switch with um, Dean Ambrose and Jason Jordan. I really think somehow at the Rumble. We would have had the Shield as the tag champs. They would yep. have lost the belts, and we would be building up to Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. I, I think, and I think they're pretty much doing that exact thing with Jason Jordan, which is great because you're going to be building up to you know Jason Jordan being that 
Um, hopefully mid-card to, to upper, mid-level the heel moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they still might be entertaining the idea of in, including Angle in some way or another, but I'm not sure if just based on the Survivor Series and his injuries that he might be getting more time off and we might be holding off on another Angle match for a while. But, uh, but yeah. Well, I mean, he it, can only keep his head at a certain angle. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. But, but, uh, uh, but, no, no, I... But thinking back, like even like the booking of Jason Jordan, I I understand what they're doing. Um, it's very much kind of like you know like early booking of Angle when he came in, very much kind of like a whiny kind of nerd character. So it kind of works. Um, we'll just see where it goes. Um, kudos to Rollins for doing what he did all night. Uh, same with Cesaro; he had a pretty good show in the Rumble yeah. as well. Um, moving on to the triple threat match for the WWE Universal Championship. There's two moments in this matchup I thought were very unintentional, but they made the match. And that was the Braun Strowman knee to the face of Brock Lesnar, and then the series of right hands from Lesnar right back to Strowman. I don't know necessarily that uh, the Brock Lesnar right hands were unintentional, but uh, Whoa, I think yeah, the knee I don't might think have been. I, the knee was unintentional, but like those right hands were not. I was reading some reviews, and they were like, oh, man, that's cool that they like probably talked before the match about like shooting on each other. And I was like, I don't know about that, because Lesnar, no. Lesnar's rights. You look pissed. Right, <laughs> Lesnar's rights felt like he was like, you motherfucker, you knee me in the face again. And I think it was more of like a thigh, so thank God. If he was a knee, he might have actually knocked Lesnar the fuck out. But I think he probably jarred Lesnar a little bit, and Lesnar's like, all right, motherfucker, let's actually do this. Which is honestly what you kind of hope to get out of the Mania match if it ends up being, whoever it ends up being with Lesnar, because that's the best kind of Lesnar matches when they're actually fucking hitting each other. But, uh, But yeah, you know, again, we talked about this the match prior, and it's like, man, it's, you know, you could have had Hogan and Andre out there. I mean, you had Lesnar out there. You had Braun, who's one of the most over guys. Yep. And the crowd still felt a little dead throughout most of the yep. match. And I, and I don't think you can blame that on Kane or anything. Um, I, it was a, To me, it was a very – it was exactly what I expected in a triple threat match. I mean, I didn't expect fucking, like, eight tables to be there and 16 chairs. Like, I thought it would be a little less – uh, cluttery, extreme, cluttery, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was like most of Lesnar's matches. It was literally it was a train wreck, and that and that can either be a, a good thing or a bad thing. It just felt all over the place. It didn't feel like they probably went over. It, it felt like in the back they're like, all right, let's. What do you guys want to do? It's like, yeah. I don't. There's I don't probably know. like three things that kind of talked about was very much. Let's do the announcer table position spots that we're gonna do. Um, because like. Having Strowman go through with one with the F5 and then getting the table dumped over him was a pretty good spot. Um, Kane went through a table very viciously, landed on yeah. two monitors, stomach yeah. first. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, there was just a lot to go on in that matchup. And I don't know, like, Lesnar really kind of thrives in these plunder matches. But at the same time, though, he needs guys around him. Yeah. I think in those type of situations, um, probably the best one multi-man plunder match you had was that four-way. Yeah. At one point, yep. um, I don't know. It just this one felt a little, little off. But there's only so much you can do because I think everyone was kind of really ready for that second Rumble match. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's and that's what's kind of unfortunate because if you if you put this match on any other card, and maybe when these tables are getting brought out and guys are going through tables, if the crowd is going wild and rowdy, maybe we're talking about this match differently. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit last night, and I hate to jump on the bandwagon, but I just don't see. Why Kane is in this spot? I, I get that you're trying to give him, uh, you know, maybe maybe that he's this is his last run, and you kind of want to give him a push. But I mean, basically, at being in this match, I mean, yeah, a lot of guys are going to be like, "Oh, that's great," you know, he's in the main event, he's taking on Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, the two biggest stars on Raw right now. But at the same time, he basically played 
third fiddle. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it was blatantly obvious not a lot of people wanted to really see him in that match. Uh, the crowd was pretty dead for anything that Kane had to do. And again, we know he's running for mayor. He just looks a little out of shape. He's not intimidating at all like a Braun Strowman, that like a Brock Lesnar. That too. wig is fake as fuck. I mean, it's just like, you know, 20 years ago, this was like one of the coolest motherfuckers on WWE Raw. I, mm-hmm. I, think, I thought so, Raw's War. I mean, everyone's like, holy shit, this dude's, mother- this dude's cool as shit. And now he just seems Sucker like, nerd. and now he seems like out of shape dad dressing up for Halloween. That's yeah. exactly what he seems like. And it's it's again, he's not in very good shape. You know, it seems like he can't hang with these guys. I don't know why he had to be there. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be interested to know what exactly the intent was on bringing Kane back. Had Roman Reigns not went down with that weird, I I, I still sickness, think a, I, I still think a lot of it though was you try to give Strowman that rub of like a Kane. You know, because, like, you have your monsters on your roster, but between the older monsters and the newer monsters, there's no intermediate monster. You know, like, uh, let's say, like, Mark Henry was healthy, you know, and he was getting a push at this point in time. Like, Mark Henry been, like, a perfect guy for that spot. Like, but you don't don't really have any stopgap monster kind of characters, so you have to go back to the well with, like, a cane. Um, There was actually a really nice... um, Oh God, what was it like a tweet earlier in the week? I I don't know who to really credit to, but I just kind of remember someone actually brought up a stat. They're like, okay, well Kane's been around for twenty fucking years. That would have been like, let's say you take superstar Billy Graham and you put him in a main event match against Steve Austin in '98. Like that's just really fucking jarring. Wow, yeah. You know, so having a guy who's been a main eventer for almost twenty years, stick him in another match with some young guys, it just it kind of really jars it, and it kind of really says something about the. The, the gap uh, on the roster where you got a lot of young guys coming up, but at the same time you still have an old guard that's been there for forever and a day. And that, I think that's a problem that WWE does have, but at the same time there's not much they can really do about that because like we've alluded to in the podcast before, where you have a lot of guys who either have gone and left or didn't stick around. Right. So the, you just kind of find yourself in that weird position on your roster where you have to you kind of use guys like that. But – you know, it's going to be fun to I see just, where everything kind of goes, especially when we've got the Elimination Chamber coming up. Yeah, you know, I think when it comes to Kane again, and I know we're talking about pro wrestling, but we're in this quote-unquote reality era, you know, and I know we have Bray Wyatt who can, like, disappear, and, like, he has, like, a dead sister that uh, helps him. What I don't know what the fuck his gimmick is anymore. And you have, like, Broken Matt Hardy who doesn't make sense when he's talking, and he has, like, flying robots and shit. But... It's kind of like almost comedy. It's like it's almost like this is it's 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 out there, but it's like okay, well, this person's obviously this person's schizophrenic. Like they just have a problem. When you have a grown ass man who's like uh, fifty years old and is out of shape and looks like he's about to ask you, you know, for some candy, trick or treat. <laughs> you know, I I think it just takes a lot out of you know we have you have. Braun Strowman, he doesn't really have a gimmick. He's just this big-ass dude that tries to literally murder people. You have Brock Lesnar. He's a UFC fighter. He literally almost sometimes doesn't – it just seems like it's like, is this dude actually fighting or not fighting? And then you have Kane. It's just like it's so out of left field. It's just in this day and age of wrestling, in WWE, and especially in that feud, right, because you have Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy that are two weird characters, but they're kind of doing their own thing. It's almost like they're not even on Raw sometimes. It's like they're on another planet. You know, when you have Kane introducing this, and it's like he's coming out to the fire. Oh, my God, he's he's the devil's favorite son or whatever the fuck, the devil's favorite jester or whatever. (laughs) And it's just like, it's like, ah, you know, I don't really buy this guy's actually from fucking hell. 
I mean, no. I don't know if you did it in the late 90s, but at this point, it just it's almost too hokey for this realism main event, this realism show that you're putting together, and it just doesn't fit. And maybe if Kane was this monster, you know, just this fucking just ripped beast, you know, he could fucking just pick Brock up and just toss him around like he's nothing without Brock having to oversell. Maybe it'd be different, but I don't know. That's That's the one thing that I kind of dislike from it, and I really hope that we end the angle there because... It's similar to a couple of years ago when it's like Big Show and Kane were like in every main event angle. And it's like, dude, yeah, maybe 10 years ago I would have enjoyed this. But right now it's just it's it's really just not putting over your younger talent. But I don't want to get too upset about that because overall, you know, I didn't think it was an awful match. And overall, I actually really like Kane. He's like a, a he's like a childhood favorite of mine. Yeah. But God, it just doesn't tra- it just doesn't translate well yeah, to definitely. today's television. It's just, it- because it, it's weird, and like it just kind of slows down the pace and all that stuff. And I'm I'm probably the biggest Lesnar mark on the planet. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, I enjoy his main events. That's just me, though. Um, speaking of main events, though, we probably had, you know, you should have you should have known it was going to be the main event, the first ever women's Royal Rumble match. And like Nick, I I gotta admit, like this one was a lot of fun. Oh, this great. was one of the funnest matches I think on a. Uh, like a main WWE pay-per-view in a very long time. You know, I want to talk about this quick before we yep. start talking about the Women's Rumble because it kind of... Segues into it. It's kind of both of them a little bit. Yeah, yep. There's a lot of people complaining about the Men's Rumble for the, the reason that there wasn't enough surprises. And I think what you got in the Women's Rumble was a lot of surprises to kind of fill up that 30 Women's, uh, 30 women's Rumble spot. Yep. When you look at the Men's Rumble, I know we're going back a couple matches. If you're talking about surprises, Jesus fucking Christ, like... I thought you didn't need a lot of surprises in the men's. No. We talked about that. Ray yeah. came out. It's like, good enough. Yep. Fuck it. You had Hurricane come out. Yep. Great. Perfect. I mean, they had, they had the, the yeah, structure was laid out, out perfect. Adam Cole come out. Like, yeah. That was good. Then you have people that are fucking complaining after the show's over, after the women's rumble, and you have all these great surprises that there wasn't enough of the men's. And it's like, really, dude? Really? It's like, fuck off, man. It's like, like, fuck off. Like, the men's roster is so deep right now, you don't need to have surprises. And there's enough guys on the men's roster where you're like, oh, shit, you have, like, ten guys who can actually legitimately main event Raw, like, Raw or SmackDown or WrestleMania or whatever the fuck. Um, but the women's match, though, I thought yes. was was really fun. You know, it, like, there's a lot of really good moments, a lot of good character work. Like, Sasha Banks, I know you really are not a big Sasha Banks fan currently, but she had a hellacious rumble match. Yeah. Like, a really well-done Rumble match where we kind of saw her go through, like, a character transition. Yep. She became a character who was going to do whatever it took to win this matchup. She became Sasha Banks in NXT. I mean, yep. that was kind of her character there, which got her really over. And, uh, yeah, that's basically what she did throughout the match. We saw a lot of it at the end mm-hmm. of the matchup. But, overall, just the, the women's Rumble, I mean, to me, it exceeded expectations. Oh, like, yeah. It was fantastic. You had a lot of gals coming back uh, for the, and I think, and I think, I think it was good, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is, this is, to me, this is bigger than the first Hell in the Cell match. This is bigger than the first women's Iron Iron Woman match. Yeah. This is bigger than the the Money in the Bank because this is the fucking Royal Rumble. Like this yeah. is aside from like a main event at WrestleMania. This has to be like the biggest. Uh, the match in women's history because we talked about this. You look at the men's Royal Rumble every year. I mean, it's probably the biggest spectacle in WWE every single year because it's so much fun. It's so exciting. There's so much history with it. And for the longest time, it kind of makes me go, why hasn't there been a women's Royal Rumble? Because Mm -hmm. it just makes sense to do it. And um, I think it was a perfect opportunity to bring in a lot of these these ex women superstars that could all literally, based on based on 
the in-ring performances all still go. Kelly Kelly, Tori Wilson. Jacqueline. Uh, Jacqueline. I mean, she had not had a good Holly. showing. Molly Holly had a yeah. good showing. I mean, uh, Beth Michelle Phoenix. McCool. Beth Phoenix. Oh. They all had great showings. But talking about great showings, mm-hmm. um, before we talk about the wrap-up of the match or anything, Nia Jax yeah. was literally made into somebody. at one. She came out, and I was like, we talked about this. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I know you kind of mentioned her winning, but I can't really buy it. She convinced me that she could be in a WrestleMania singles match spot in that matchup. Like, Nia Jax had probably the most creative elimination, I thought, of the whole night. Um, the elimination of Ruby Riot, where she gets her up, gorilla presses her, and spikes and her, on that, her yeah. on that top turnbuckle. Like, that made everyone go, holy shit! Yeah. Like, that was just a really good spot. Um, she had a hell of a performance, really held her own. The stare down between her and Beth Phoenix was probably, like, the one stare down in that whole matchup where it got the crowd really pumped. And it was like that first This Is Awesome chant in yep. that matchup. Um, there, there's got to be something there at some point. It would be really kind of nice to see that match. Um, but there was a lot of really good moments in this one. Just absolutely a phenomenal match. It seems like whenever we go back to these Royal Rumbles, the, the men's Royal Rumbles, and they bring in these like legends and these you know competitors from a couple of years ago, it's an opportunity really for us to go, Ooh, I wonder what that matchup would have been like, right? Yep. But a lot of times in in WWE's Men's Royal Rumble, it seems like you're bringing in a lot of these guys that maybe are past their prime a little bit. Maybe it's kind of like, oh, I wonder how that would have been 10 years ago. In this Women's Royal Rumble, I can't tell you how many times I was like, man, they should bring Trish back for a one-off. Or, man, they should bring fucking Tori back for a one-off. Or, man, they yep. should bring Beth back for a one-off. Like... How many of these awesome matchups we could have had if some of these if some of these ladies wouldn't mind coming back for just one more run because they all looked so good in the ring that it had you convinced I could see them totally coming out on Monday Night Raw and, and even furthering building on this awesome women's revolution. Um, I do want to say that mm-hmm. uh, I understood the point of it. Yep, and. Again, I don't want to jump on this bandwagon necessarily too much because I know it's already been harped on quite a bit. But, uh, man, Stephanie was really bad on commentary. Oh, God, she was a drizzling shit. Yeah, and I think there could have been an opportunity. And, again, they do a lot of good stuff behind the scenes. A lot of charity yeah. work. You know, they, they do a lot of – Stephanie is, like, at the forefront of making sure that WWE is continuing to give back to the communities that that, that pour money into their company and, and, you know, the people that really buy into the product and the people that love that product and make it a part of their life. But, you know, to, to have – Stephanie's music play and she had to come out before the match and then she had to sit there and then she had to play commentary to me it was like a little overdoing it it's like ah you know I don't I think I think you're kind of putting your face on top of this woman's revolution a little bit too much and again you know I, I think it would have meant something if she just would have came out and watched or or whatever but I, I heard Taz talk about this in his post show and it's just like she obviously just has ne- she has no idea how to do commentary it's a lot more yeah. than just talking right it is it is it felt like sound bites. It and, did. like, that was something that you and me were kind of joking about. You know, we were kind of almost like they felt like the Jim Ross, like, just throwing <laughs> those random things. Be like, my God, she, uh, she studied culinary arts down there at the yeah. Bry. Yeah. You it know, just, like, it just it, – it, they felt jarring because, like, what what you really needed to sell in this moment was the history. Yep. And what it means to be the first women's Royal Rumble winner. And, like, your, your spot in history. That's what it really was. And it's, and it's a celebration, too, of – the 20-plus years of the women's division on WWE. 
you know, coming back to when they actually reintroduced the title with Sable and stuff like that, I kind of go in from there because that's really what it was. It yep. was very much this is where we've come over the last 20 years, and you got to see a lot of the returning stars. Um, the leader almost killed herself, and then yeah. like, damn, you almost killed herself, and the crowd's like, you still got it. It should have been like, you almost died. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ, you probably should have died on that one. Um, and you saw, like, Kari Sane she go out great. there. She looked great. Ember Moon looked great as well. Oh, got a huge reaction. You know, but, like, the winner of the match, Asuka, was the, the right winner. And, you know, you, you're you going to end on a really good note. Who's she going to pick? And then, like, probably the story of the night. And it was another one of those things where we talk about it, like, ad nauseum. Like, sometimes telegraphing your storylines is the best way to do it. We've known for a while that Ronda Rousey was probably going to make her WWE debut at some point in time. Like, where and when it was going to be was going to be one of those things. And there was a lot of fingers pointing at the Royal Rumble, whether she was going to be in the match or not. And it was something that you and me were kind of talking about. It's like, why ruin her in the matchup like that? So having her come out at the end, being that last image you see, I think that got a lot of people talking. It got It was trending on SI, ESPN, yep. like it broke like the second she came out. And I'm going to jump in really quick. I'm yep. not sure where you're going to go with this, but that is the one negative thing that I saw about really? last night's pay-per-view is because a lot of people were saying, oh, well, she overshadowed Asuka's win, and oh, she came out, and apparently she can just pick and choose her shots, and it's like, uh, yeah, dude, she's fucking Ronda Rousey. Yeah. She can definitely do that. Like, she's going to sell a shit ton of tickets, and I know people yep. get... Oh my god, like you fucking Asuka's been wrestling for like 10 years and she's fought hard for this moment and she just shit all over the women's revolution but it's like um dude, honestly, Ronda Rousey might be and I don't you can argue with me if you fucking want, you won't win, might be the biggest signing for WWE in the fucking past like 5 years. Like let's be honest, as far as bringing in dollars to that division, um I think there's a ton of money to be made in a singles uh, women's wrestling match with Ronda Rousey involved at WrestleMania, or any pay-per-view for that matter. And I think it makes perfect sense that she came out and established that she's a part of WWE, Roundy, Rowdy Ronda Rousey, whatever the fuck she wants to call herself. And, God, it just pisses me off because it's like, dude... How many how many times do you need somebody to tell you that WWE is a fucking business? Yeah. It is it's 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 sports, it's sports entertainment, but it's a fucking business. And honestly, out of all four of those women in the ring, Alexa Bliss, she's been I think she just uh became like the longest running women's Raw champion uh, ever since but that's its inception. Not, yeah, but, but the inception was only six months. Right, yeah. yeah. But you have Charlotte Flair in there, who a lot of people are saying is probably the best women's wrestler, you know, maybe in the world or maybe just in WWE. Probably the most athletic. You look, at, you look at Asuka, who right now is probably one of the most over women's wrestlers mm-hmm. in the world. And Ronda Rousey's in the ring, who hasn't had a match ever. Yep. But you, but you, you, you try to tell me that Ronda Rousey won't sell more tickets than anybody else in that ring. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll call you a fucking idiot because it won't happen because Ronda Rousey is is Ronda Rousey. I yeah. mean, she she is so polarizing, and uh, there's a reason why she came out there, why she had the opportunity to basically say, "Yeah, I'm going to go to WrestleMania. I, I'm I'm going to be at WrestleMania. This is yeah. how it's going to happen." You know, and that's kind of what you expect. I don't know if how you don't expect that, and I don't necessarily think it overshadows the the Royal Rumble win at all because you know, uh, I mean, at least James Ellsworth didn't win it. So I mean, there you go. <laughs> That is definitely true. So, with, with the Rousey thing, you got to remember she's probably the most combat sports wise. She is the most iconic figure for women. Like, look you, what you happened to that you, division. You, yeah. After Rousey left, who the fuck is the champ right now? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Because uh, Holly Holmes ended up losing. 
I don't know. Is it like Chris Cyborg? I don't know. It might be. But like, here's a big thing though. She's she's a name with a lot of value, and she sells pay per views. Yeah. And she gets a lot of mainstream press, and she's got a she she understands the business much like a Lesnar. Like she's just a lifelong wrestling fan who who can transition from the UFC to pro wrestling. Um, it's just gonna be kind of fun to see where they go over the next sixty nine yeah. days with this. Like, do they do a four way match, which might be like the way you go, or do you do two singles matches? You know, it's another way to go. Do you just have her versus Asuka, which is another way to go? You know, because like then you can. You could really kind of set that up as like the undefeated versus the undefeated or something like that, where it's just like two legit wrestlers yeah. going at it. And like even if you have like Rousey beat Asuka, like like that just puts Ronda Rousey like a step above everyone else. Because here's Asuka who hasn't been pinned or submitted in WWE since she fucking signed, yeah. basically. So you know, it's gonna be really kind of interesting where they go with this one. And plus, like what you get here is a lot of mainstream buzz. With Rousey, this is the one thing that you have to look at, right? Uh-huh. With le- le- let's let's, I I would kind of liken it to Lesnar a little bit. Let's look at Lesnar, right? I know that he was in WWE beforehand. He was uh, quite possibly the face of the company for the very short period of time that he was there. He went out, and kind of made a name for himself. Well, I mean, in he MMA. was going to be the future. They pegged him as right. the future. He he made a name for himself in MMA. But but look, let's look at Lesnar right now. He just he just has that intensity, that 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 like it factor. It's like he can have. A two-minute match with Goldberg, and it can be the match of the night. Just be, yep. For some reason, he just has it. Ronda Rousey has it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going to shit on it because they, they think, again, this is like, oh, it's another, it's a part-timer stealing the spotlight or it's whatever. Ronda Rousey, based on the ESPN article that came out, she's she's going to be a full-time wrestler. Yeah. So she's in this, you know, she's in it for it, right? And it's not like she's just trying to make a buck. It's not like she's just trying to, you know, she's like, I don't know... What, what can I do with my life? I guess I'll just be a wrestler. It's like she's a lifetime wrestling fan. She went to Rowdy, Rowdy Piper's family and said, hey, you know, do you mind if I do The coach who was wearing Jesse is yeah, actually one Piper's of coat. Piper's coats. Yeah. So it's like she has a lot of respect for the business, and she wants to make something of it, and she wants to, she wants to do something big. And we talked about this, I think, either on the podcast or just whatever, but it's like, well, who, who, can, beat, who can beat Asuka? Who makes sense? And I think it's right there. I think, you know, Rhonda's been training for a while. We've heard rumors that she's been at the PC. We've heard rumors that she's been going through something. I mean, we, I think we saw there's like, some video that released, like, a year ago of her training, right? Yeah. So she's been in the ring. She's been trying to learn some craft. Who knows where she is at this point? But if, you try, if you're thinking about, okay, how do you build the legitimacy of somebody, it's probably putting them over Asuka at this point. Because mm-hmm. Asuka, I mean, you look at the roster and you're like, who the hell – could they have beat her? Because it's like with like a Sasha Banks, with a Bailey, with an Alexa Bliss. It's like, is that really going to do a lot for them? They've been around for a while at this point. A gal like Ronda Rousey could really get a lot from from topping Asuka. And based on how she came in the ring, I feel like to me that kind of telegraphed again the interaction between Asuka and Rousey that we are going to see something happen between them. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Rousey at the Elimination Chamber for her first ever match. Now, what you have here now with with Rousey is very much someone who can headline a pay-per-view. Yeah. And that's next step in this women's revolution is you need a bona fide main event star. Yep. And now you have that. Yeah. And whether you're... You're one of those jaded wrestling fans who are like, eh, like as we alluded to, that those are my probably our favorites to shit on in this podcast. Yeah, eh, wrestling fan. Yep. 
But now you have someone who can legitimately sell a pay-per-view with her headlining it. Because you can't fucking tell me that the second they're like, Ronda Rousey will be wrestling at blank. She's not going to fucking sell tickets. Yeah, and depending on how she's booked, I mean, that this could be an extended... I mean, again, I hate to be that guy, but you uh-huh. look at WWE as a business. You put Sasha Banks' name as the, 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 main, the, the main matchup for fucking WrestleMania. Yeah. It's not going to sell as well as if Ronda Rousey's name there. It's, it's just fact. It's just yeah. how it is. Bailey wouldn't sell as well as Ronda Rousey. Even Charlotte Flair wouldn't sell as well as Ronda Rousey. Asuka still wouldn't sell as well as Ronda Rousey. It's just how it is, mm-hmm. and uh, it should be really exciting to see what they do. Honestly, I to be to be honest, I wouldn't mind having Ronda playing a Brock Lesnar role for the women's match. I mean, quick matches, tossing people around, suplexing, judo throwing the shit out of them, put them in an armbar, yep. have them tap out. I'm okay with that. I'm yep. okay with, like, a shoot style for the women's. I mean, that that's why I think, you know, we look at Asuka and we like, you know, she she's great at – at all the, the the fucking technicality and doing all this other shit and putting matches together, but what's great about Asuka is just really her charisma, which I think she could play off really well, Ronda. Mm-hmm. And if these two just go out there and are just kicking and punching each other in the face, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. I would love that for five minutes. Yeah, I'll sign up for that. Give me it. I want that because mm-hmm. I think that's what you're going to get with Reigns and Lesnar, anyways. But I think it's a nice little change of pace from what you expect because then on the other side of the coin, you can have a great match with Charlotte. They can put together some some great athletic display for to for everybody to be sports entertained. But uh, but yeah, I think overall from start to finish, this Rumble was great. I think it ended great too. I think it's 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 a good idea that Oscar uh, didn't pick where she wanted to go with yep. 70 days until Mania. I mean, you, you already kind of telegraphed that, obviously, with, with Nakamura and picking AJ Styles. I think this is a nice way to kind of build a storyline in the women's division. Where is Asuka going to go? Who is she uh-huh. going to pick? What is she going to do? It's intriguing, both options. Where What does she want to go with? And then it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do with Ronda. I can tell you what, Raw tonight probably is going to have a shit, t- a shit ton of people watching, mm-hmm. tuning in just to see exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun on the road to WrestleMania. And you want to make sure, you know, if you're in the little crowd, market too. You get it, the WWE house show coming up here. I believe it's what March fifth. It's something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. Monday. It's a Monday night. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be the SmackDown brand. Definitely, if you want to get tickets for that one, they're probably still available. Just nature of the beast, you know. But yep. you know, if you get an opportunity to catch WWE live leading up to WrestleMania this year, definitely do it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, you know, Nick, we basically went an hour on the Royal Rumble here. You know, yep. so we should probably take our Take a quick little break and come back because there's still a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, there is. So we'll take a quick break. This is the Grapple Talk flagship. We will be right back. Hey, everybody. This is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host, Ragbag, as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews and of course ragbags love for luigi mansion that is all on regular guy gaming check us out yes i'll take my eggs over easy and i'll take my podcast deach and dash that's right the deach and dash podcast hosted by me gorgeous jordy lee available via the grapple talk network it's about to get weird we're going to talk some wrestling maybe some life probably and definitely gonna ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard catch us via the grapple talk network and wherever ipods are available to you ipods or podcasts got them the worst all right so one of the other big stories that came out this week was the return of the xfl yeah you know a lot of things happen in res- <laughs> <laughs> <You> okay <laughs> okay <laughs> 
lot of really big things happen <laughs> in wrestling, including you know New Japan had new begin. We talked about maybe talking about that. There were some uh, big angles that happened there. Um, but there's just so much to talk about and so little time because we are doing this before our shoot jobs. Uh, um, <laughs> so yeah, we're doing this before our shoot jobs, and we're actually going to die uh, at this point in time. But the XFL, Vince McMahon had a press conference. What was it, Friday yeah. this past week? And you're like Jesse, got to go watch this. This is a very bizarre press conference. <laughs> it was really bizarre. Um, it it was bizarre, but at the same time, though, like I understand the reason why they did it. Yeah, the way they did it. Um. It's very much in the think tank process mm-hmm. right now. And, like, not rushing the XFL, trying to get it out on the field as quick as possible. I think Vince is really kind of serious about investing a lot of time and money in this. Yeah, I think part of the reason why, you know, I think what is really frustrating for a lot of people is that you watch this conference and he's taking calls from very reputable reporters from, uh-huh. like, SI, from, like, New York Times, yep. from Bloomberg, ESPN, Bloomberg. Wall Street Journal. Yeah, and I think what was kind of frustrating is basically they asked all these questions and Vince just kept saying, well, we'll kind of we'll check into that once uh, the time comes around. Uh, we're going to have uh, football experts that are going to be working on that. So, uh, yeah, the football experts will take care Quite of that. Quite frankly, we're going to speed up the game. We're going to speed up the game. And, uh, you know, we're going to have people stand during the national anthem because that's a – but we're not into politics. That's not what this is about. Yeah, but, um, but by saying people need to stand for the national anthem, I, I hate to say it. You're really kind of putting politics into it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but, but I, I think it was very frustrating for a lot of people because it, it is exciting. And it's like, to me, as, a, as an avid NFL fan, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm pretty sure that, quote-unquote, football experts work for NFL to make it a bigger, better, safer game – so what does that mean? That they're, how are they going to make? How, they're going to listen to fans? Are they going to put up like Facebook polls? Do you guys want to see a uh, hundred yard football field, or do you want to see a fifty yard football field? Vote on this Facebook poll. <laughs> whatever you whatever you choose is what we're going to do. But um, I, I honestly kind of think that they came out with this press conference, and uh, the, one of the reasonings as to why I mean I, I they're, they're two years away from actually doing this, mm-hmm. but I think it, it might honestly be a ploy into selling. They're broadcasting rights. Because now I think when you look at WWE, if you're Fox, you're like, okay, well, we get WWE. But hold on a second, folks. We also get a deal on XFL coming. So we can throw it on FS1. We can throw it on whatever. So I think personally the reason why they came out so early is because, you know, we're looking um, towards the broadcasting right deal and, and the negotiations there. And, oh, we not only get all this wrestling content, but we also have the possibility of adding in this uh, football content between, I think he might have said, February and August or yeah, something was when the season would run. Like, all right, so we're only going to have 10 teams. Was it 10 teams? Or eight. eight. Eight teams, you know, a 10-game schedule. So basically almost to break it up where you'll play three teams twice right. and then you play the other teams as well. Um, basically just a four-team playoff. You know, so you're not going to have any buys or anything like that. You're going to have the top four seeds, and we're going to finish off in a championship game. Roster size was 40. Yep. Um, so basically, I don't know. It almost feels like maybe it'll be like a seven on seven type which, of Which would honestly probably be a good idea. Yeah, you do seven on seven. You know, you do three linemen, stuff like that. You know, have kind of like a fun type of game. Um, if you're talking about speeding up the game, and I think a lot of people actually kind of got that wrong in the press conference because, like, everyone's like, well, you know, if you're looking out for safety, why speed up the game? I think and Vince time. was time. Um, it's one of those things, like, you play a lot of Madden. Yeah. How quick are your quarters? Do you play 15-minute quarters or do you play seven? I can get a full game of Madden in in probably 45 minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised if they almost kind of do something similar with the quarter structure where it's going to be less time. 
Yeah, I mean that, that's Vince, how you that's how you speed up the game. Vince said he wanted to keep the entire game, which also includes commercials, yep. breaks under two hours. Right, so the current NFL that, product we three yeah. three and a half probably yeah. is what we kind of see. And again, to do that, you're gonna have to cut out quarters. He mentioned cutting out halftime. You know, finding some way because again, we live in a day and age where. Our attention spans are yep. just so fucking, you know, that's why it's sometimes it's honestly difficult to watch a baseball game on television. Now you go to, you see it live. It's different. It's different. But if you watch it on TV, you're talking three, maybe even four hours of guys throwing pitches. And it's one of those things, strikeouts. too, where Major League Baseball is actually talking about putting a exactly. pitch count. You know, exactly. like a, a clock in between pitches to make sure the game moves quicker. So it really kind of like going with shorter quarters. Shorter halves, you can do maybe ten minutes. Yeah. So you get forty minutes a game right there, right. and whatever you need else for the broadcast, which more than likely will probably be if you do a pregame. Yep. You know, we'll probably do like a fifteen-minute pregame. You have a postgame in there as well. Um, you can do stuff like that. So I understand that, and having like a two-year gap between when you announce it and when you're going to launch gives you an opportunity, I think, to really kind of court. Some players, you know, yep. like there was a question about, hey, do you see like a like a Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick, or maybe a Johnny Manziel coming out there? Um, you know, Vince really kind of skirted around it, but like the only one he really kind of had an interest in really kind of signing was Tebow. Yeah, because Tebow does have like the built-in brand, and he would actually be a guy you could kind of like anchor that. Really could, you know, the, the family friendly with it. Um, he also alluded to he's not gonna he doesn't want criminals in his league. <laughs> I don't want any criminals in my league. Um, so, so you know, like no one with a DUI or anything like that. Um, we, we want outstanding citizens in our league. You know, I think, honestly, yeah. a lot of this, too, was probably in response towards all the things happening in the NFL. I mean, a well, lot yeah, of people are like, pissed off that, you know, the NFL has all these these guys that are beating women and, and, and drunk driving, and they're getting off with one or two game suspensions. You have a lot of people. You know, honestly, I don't know what effect – if you're not going to watch football because a guy is not standing for the anthem, that's your prerogative, but I think that's yeah. a fucking stupid reason not to watch football. It can be a good reason to dislike somebody or dislike a player or dislike a team, but if you're really not going to, if you're going to try to boycott a sport because of it, then you you obviously don't have enough problems in your life. But um but I, but I think, you know, that's again another response that Vince is looking at and that's why he's saying people are going to stand, damn it, because it's like stand for the anthem. I think you sound like Batman when you talk like that. <laughs> I think one of the big things, though, with, with Vince is he's just like, <laughs> it sounds like Batman. I think one of the big things, though, is he's looking at all the problems in the NFL right now, and he's going, how yep. can I sell the XFL? I'm going to do exactly everything that's negative about the NFL right now and do the exact opposite. But, you know, I think he's kind of he's, he's kind of strangling. He's putting himself in a stranglehold a little bit here because, you know, you talk about Tebow. I think a Johnny Manziel possibility could really bring a lot of attention to this game because a lot of people watch Johnny Manziel because yeah you know he's kind of a train wreck but he's a, he's a great he's, he's a well, very exciting football player. Well, remember he's very much like he's a polarizing figure. Yeah, and that's something WWE really kind of you know prospers on is these characters who you either want to cheer or boo, you know. And I know like he really kind of went out of his way to like to say oh there's not going to be any parallels between WWE and the XFL but at the same time though like the NFL is very good about marketing yes. their players and it doesn't matter who it is like they'll go out of their way to make sure they market their stars right. and for the XFL you have to do that as well so having some guys with name cachet right away is definitely going to be big how do you how so okay how do you turn the XFL into something that people want to see cuz here's the big thing the NFL 
we all know the NFL is the place where if you are the best of the best, this is where you play football, regardless of your history, regardless mm-hmm. if you if you beat women, regardless if you accidentally murdered somebody on a drunken rampage and then you go on to catch a 60-yard touchdown like six weeks later, uh, <laughs> Dante Stallworth. Um, it's where you play football. And I think that's a lot of the, what the appeal is because you know watching it, you're like, these are the best fucking players mm-hmm. in, in in football today. On God's so if, so if you look at yep. the XFL, I mean, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna see the best football players. You're not gonna see a lot of players, you know, you're you're probably gonna see a lot of players that maybe sort of were okay in college but couldn't put it together. You're not gonna get the you're not gonna get NFL you know, the NFL rejects necessarily because a lot of times they're NFL rejects because they have problems with the law, they have problems with with, with stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and based on what Vince said, they're not gonna accept those types of players. So it seems like a lot of what you're going to need to do is put a have a nice little structure for the game, and then regardless of the players, as long as they have a little bit of skill, you're going to be able to draw ratings. Because to me, it's hard. Just it's it's just, you look at let's let's use a local example. Uh-huh. You look at the Showtime. I don't. I hate to pick them out because you know honestly they're doing something that's really but cool it's for an the area. Example. But it's an example. But you look at the Showtime. I mean, you're getting players on here that are mostly not really good enough to play D1 college ball, maybe not necessarily even good enough to play D2 college ball, obviously have no aspirations to play in the NBA or the G League or anything. So you're watching a product on the court that necessarily isn't going to translate towards college or NBA because you're like, well, I'm basically watching, you know, spiffied up uh, really good, um, you know, rec center basketball with some bells and whistles. And I think that's kind of what you're going to get with the XFL, but I think it's really hard to sell people on that when they know that the product they're not getting on the field is necessarily a college football or NFL um, level uh, of product. So how do you – I just don't – how do you get the player I, – I, I, I'm trying to figure out how you can see this being beneficial because I think one of the things that, that really cursed the NFL, XFL back in, in the early 2000s, I mean, obviously, yeah, it was kind of hokey and people thought that was kind of stupid, but I think that was kind of the appeal of it. But I think largely it was because you had a lot of no, – I mean – I don't know if you ever watched the NFL, the XFL's first championship game, but it was like a blowout. It was awful. Yeah. It was a terrible game. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the things, too. It's like with the XFL, it felt rushed with getting everything established, getting your players and stuff like that. Because they took a lot of guys in from like NFL Europe. Um, as as terrible as it sounds, you know, like Vince is not going to work with like the NFL on this. Even though it would be smart for him, yes. Look, look at if you look at the XFL as maybe like a developmental league for the NFL. And yes. I know that's not what it's going to end up being, but you almost have to take some of the cues from like the USFL. They went out and they signed some big names from college football: Herschel Walker, Jim Kelly, Reggie White, Steve Young. These guys went on to be Hall of Famers. So if you're the XFL, you have to start looking in. Okay, who can we? Poach from college football. Do we sign guys like, like, do we sign someone who doesn't want to fucking go straight to the NCAA? Like, you gotta start thinking about that. You know, like, do you just sign a guy straight out of fucking high school? Well, here's a big thing: you have to be a good salesman, yeah. right? You go to like a Lamar Jackson. Yep. Well, I mean, a lot. I mean, maybe that's not a great scenario because I mean, the kid is obviously going to get drafted in oh, the first gonna, second round. Yeah, but, yeah. but for example, a lot of questions. You know, is he going to play quarterback? You know, maybe maybe Lamar Jackson meets with a couple of teams. Hey, you know, I want to play quarterback. I'm not going to shift to receiver. I'm not going to shift, you know, to yeah. fucking running back. I'm not going to be a return guy. No, you know, we see you as a receiver. Does somebody from the XFL approach me and go, listen here, kid. Okay. 
You want to play quarterback, you come to the XFL, you play quarterback, and you win a championship. You tell all those NFL people that you'll see them in a couple of years once you prove yourself on the XFL. Like, maybe if you can be a good enough salesperson where you can go to a lot of these really big-name college players and say, you, 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 you aren't getting the opportunities that you should – Play for us for a year. Come play. I know, you know, get paid to come play. Come play with us. Get paid to come and play on this big spectacle that'll be the XFL. You know, we'll pay you good. And, uh, you know, and, you know, if you leave us to go to the NFL in a year, that's fine because you're helping us. We're helping you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that might be a sales strategy that the XFL has to look at, like similar to not going to college, you know? Yep. Do do we try to poach some high schoolers that can play a couple of years in XFL and use that as their as their uh, you know a couple of years before they can get to the game yep. and then get paid while they're playing opposed to going yep. and doing shit that they don't want to do? So yeah, that actually this actually might end up being to the detriment of the NCAA. Yeah, who is having a shit ton of fucking problems right now? Yeah, I mean that's just the way it goes. You're paying players and all that shit. Yeah, so. You know, that that's that's actually a pretty valid point right there, and I think that's one point that no one's really bringing up. So, like, high-five to us on that one. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's got some promise, you know, and the fact that it's two years away where you can have time to research, you have time to roll out things slowly, um, where it's not just a rush. Oh, we're going to start playing games in six weeks. You know, it's like not nothing like that, you know. God damn it. We've been developing these players in Area 51 for six weeks. We're going to go out there and we're going to play some football right now. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, you can roll it out over time. Um, I, I think getting some big signings, defining what your game's going to be, kind of really setting up the parameters of what it's going to be. Um, I think that will have a tremendous benefit and a boom to the XFL. Um, I think keeping it outdoors will be big. Yeah. Um, I think making sure that you have eight markets that can actually really hold and restate, you know, retain these type of teams is going to be big. Um, I wouldn't be thinking about like filling up a stadium right away, mm. you know, because you got to build that cachet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely like bigger cities, but smaller stadiums definitely be a big thing. Um, making sure you can market it right. Um, I don't know if a TV contract's really big, you know, because like you can do some really nice things with like streaming services. Now. Yeah. Um, it's just basically using your resources and, and being just smart about it. And like, I think Vince going into this one, he learned his lessons from the XFL. Yep. And even though it's almost like it's a fucking generation later, basically it's 19 fucking years later. almost. Um, they're going to roll out something different and unique. Um, I'm kind of excited for it just because we're football fans. Yeah. And the fact that we're probably going to get football year round now. Yeah. Which not a bad isn't thing. a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. And you just never know. You just never know what's going to be. I mean, we could be back in this you know, podcast in two years and be like, well, Nick, I guess we were fucking wrong with that one. <laughs> um, that was the shittiest fucking football game I've ever seen. And yeah. I've actually watched, you know, insert high school team here. Yeah. You know, like, and they haven't won a game in three years. Yeah. Like, they don't even have enough kids to actually field a team. <laughs> They've just been forfeiting every game for the last three years. Cardboard. Cardboard team. Cardboard they have a cardboard team. But it's one of those things where it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be different. Um, it's going to be unique. And I think it's going to get a lot of people talking about it, whether it be positive or negative. But I think taking those two years and developing that product before you roll it out, it's going to be very nice. Yeah, again, I think you know if you go back and if you watch the announcement, if you read about it, you didn't get a lot of information from it. 
but I think it was just very preliminary. I think they wanted to, to roll out that they have a two-year plan, mm-hmm. that they're working on it. And I think I think for the most part, it was just the announcement. I mean, that's why Vince didn't have a lot of answers. And he, honestly, he probably won't because, like he said, you know, he's going to help fund this. I mean, it's kind of he, he's technically going to be the founder, the owner of the mm-hmm. XFL, but – he said he's taking a backseat to a lot of this, and he's going to yep. hire the right people that are going to make the right decisions. Um, and I think a lot of that's obviously going to start happening sooner rather than later. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince right now, especially post-mania, goes full force in, in making sure that the right people are hired to take yep. this over, and he starts talking cities and things like that. So, again, I think I think it's something to be really excited for. I think it's something to keep your eye out on, and I think it's something to, uh, you know, again, maybe, maybe just watch as we kind of work through wrestling over the next couple of months because I just said it. Even though Vince said he's taking a back seat, this might be where we start seeing what wrestling looks like, especially post-mania. Yep. After Vince is gone, because I think he will take at least somewhat of a, a smaller role in wrestling while he at least gets the, this XFL thing kind of up and running, because there's no doubt that he's going to have to put a lot of work into it at this point to kind of set everything up for two years down the line. That is definitely true, Nick. That is definitely true. Cool. Well, uh, you know, that probably does it for this week on Grapple Talk. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you want to check out anything that is Grapple Talk, hit up uh, Grapple Talk on Facebook and on Twitter. It's just The Grapple Talk, backslash mm-hmm. The Grapple Talk, or at The Grapple Talk. Uh, Grapple Talk Network also have a lot of other great shows uh, on the network right now, including the Ross Family Matters podcast. Yeah, uh, we've they had got Angel the... Armani on this yeah. past week. That was a really good listen. Yeah, it was a really good episode. They always have... They have great guests and if they don't have a guest on they have great discussion because they do the out of a hat thing which is fantastic because you never know what they're going to talk about that's a hell of a gimmick it's a hell of a gimmick uh you got uh, rgg our gaming friendly podcast that's on a lot of uh you know gamer news i know a lot of people that uh, mm-hmm. like wrestling also game so it's always a fun little listen yeah shout out to isaac you know like he's doing a really doing a good, good job. job yeah uh the, the the riley factor where ac kind of changed the structure of his show and i think it was for honestly the better it's a nice addition to the grapple talk network it's different um doing mostly reviews views of shows that uh, AC Riley happens to go to, which even if he's not wrestling on a show, he happens to usually go to the show. So again, yeah, it gives you a, for him for being the road warrior. Yeah, really being the road warrior. And then uh, we haven't seen him in a while. He's been MIA, but uh, Jordy Lee's Deach and Dash. Uh, hopefully he'll have an episode here coming up over the next couple of months, but always a nice little interview based show where it's just very laid back and uh, you get to, to know a lot of the wrestlers that are around this area. Yeah, and it's kind of got a, like a between two ferns type of it does. to it. It really you know? does. So uh, if you really like awkward audio, like that's the podcast yeah. for you. Yeah, and awkward in a good way. It's it's yep. a good it's a good listen. So uh, again, really good things happening here on the Grapple Talk Network. We've been doing our we've been doing our weekly podcast now for a, almost a month now. It's been kind of yeah, nice. I know, man. Like, but like it's still oh man. Yeah. Like waking up so fucking early on a Monday though. I'm getting used to this. Like the coffee I had today. It was just not good. Really? You don't like it? Oh, man. Okay, so like when I stopped at the coffee place of choice, I think they were actually in the process of brewing this oh. brew. And they were switching out the one I usually get. So like it was kind of like grimy. And, oh, sure. You know, a little swampy. Yeah. But um, it wasn't bad. Well, yeah, you know, it's always tough, too, because, like, when you, you have the rumble, it doesn't get over until, like, we don't get home until, like, 1030, and then, you know, oh, I'm God, like... I'm already dreading the post-mania episode. Oh, my God, Jesus. yeah, tell me about it. I'm going to have to take off work the next day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, sometimes it's difficult, but I think it's it, it's fun, and it gets us in the studio, it gets us talking, and, uh, you know, I think... I think uh, it's it's just fun. I don't even know what I'm saying. I got I'm just thinking about how I have to go to fucking work for like eight hours now. Yeah, same here, man. Fuck. Like you have to go to a couple blocks. I just have to roll in the next room. Yeah. Like I'm probably to, gonna roll. But we have to work. Yeah, that's, we do. that's what sucks. We got shoot jobs. Oh, our lives suck. Our lives suck because we have jobs that get us paid. You know what I mean? No. Yes. 
I wish this got us paid. Probably never. <laughs> hey, will. if you want to really want to sponsor any of the uh, the programs <laughs> here on the Grapple Talk Network, hit us up. Um, we're pretty easy to find. Yeah, and go look at the go look at the uh, gra- the the, the Rossman Matters podcast lessons because they do pretty well. They do, and then base well. base your decision off of that because yeah, yeah we we might be the flagship. But we're the fifth most popular podcast on our own network. Yeah, maybe the sixth. Yeah, probably or the seventh or the eighth. Yeah, we're kind of back there a little bit, but that's okay because mm-hmm. we have fun. We have a good time, and we and we have our we have our loyal listeners. If you're a loyal listener, message us. Let us know who you are. We'll give you shout outs. Honestly, I'll give you a fucking shout out if you're Dude, listening to we'll, this. We'll fucking give you guys prizes. If yeah, if you if you if you let me know that you're listening to this, if you message the page and you're like, I I listen to the, the flagship and I like what you guys are talking about, I'll give you a shout out. I'll yeah. send you maybe a very inexpensive Taco Bell gift card. We'll, I don't know. I'll do we'll something. We'll send you a can of whoop ass. And we'll I mean, can, like kidney beans. Yeah, kidney beans. We'll get it. But uh, but I'll do that. And because uh, we appreciate you guys listening, we appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you sharing your your thoughts and opinions with us. And uh, you know, hopefully, we didn't piss you off enough to uh, have you turn off the podcast before uh, the, the the end of it right now. So yeah, cool. Alrighty. So for Jesse von Ruden, I'm Nick Ragnar. We'll catch you guys next week right here on the Grapple Talk flagship. Stay classy, everyone. <laughs>